Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes. Welcome into Balloon Party 101 ESPN. It's also known as Hot Love and Will Harvard. That's right. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. I nearly graduated from the University of Missouri in 1998. I have eight credit hours remaining. And... I don't know where we stand on that, to be real candid with the audience. Jackson, how would you like to identify yourself? Uh, Missouri, class of 2020, graduated, um, and, uh, you know, just hopeful. A hopeful guy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. It's optimistic Do you feel like opening up to the audience today? That came out of nowhere. You're a hopeful guy. What are you hopeful about? Jack Flaherty. Hopeful. Oh, okay. Hopeful about Jack Flaherty. Uh, I'm hopeful that Boston will extend the series. There it is. I'm hopeful that... 44 seconds into the show, I was watching the clock. And then I'm hopeful that uh, Patty Maroon Big Rig will take down Kroenke and the Nice, nice, nice. So it's a hopeful Wednesday. Okay. All right, I follow you. I didn't know if this was like some kind of big picture hope for America statement that you were making here and I, that just right at the beginning yes with the, the thumbs up like Nicholson walking off the tee box right exactly yeah and uh, hopeful Chris Nagel will, uh, that's a nice play the US Open that's a nice play uh, sorry I missed you guys yesterday so let's get this out early screw you Ajax thanks that's from the 618 so I, I don't know why I thought you I thought you issued a, right. a unifying statement I at the outset so but it just didn't matter you can text in similar sentiments 65780 the Air Comfort Service text line. Uh, I was talking with uh, the great Matt Rocchio, mm -hmm. former TMA board operator, now yeah. uh, producing for Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman, and he told me about this interview they had with Matt Carpenter's father, and, uh, and he got emotional during it to see uh, Matt's resurgence and hitting the home runs at Yankee Stadium, so we're going to play a clip of that. Be real honest with the audience here, honesty of media. I just want to hear it. Right. I think it's pretty cool. Absolutely. So uh, I know they're doing that for Father's Day this week. And uh, we will have that coming up here on the program in case you missed it with Randy and Michelle. If you missed anything here on 101 ESPN podcast, Dob Tire and Auto Center podcast, download that 101 ESPN app. Jackson, there are ridiculous prizes. Right. Got a signed uh, Ryan O'Reilly sweater. Uh, cash. Yeah, $1,000 in cash. Traeger Grill. I mean, what are we doing here? Right. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Download the app, make a profile. Yeah, that's yeah, the uh, that's the move, the 101 ESPN app. So I think for the first time in my life, very seriously when I say this, um, I was watching with my heart pounding. My heart was pounding, and I was kind of caught off guard by how my heart was pounding mm -hmm. as I watched Miles Michaelis in the ninth inning last night. Yeah, I mean, uh, in a 9-1 game. That's right, what I'm saying. It's a 9-1 game, and my heart is pounding. Yeah, against a, a group of people who I don't know if I could identify more than three. Yeah. Uh, they kept sending guys up, and I'm like, I don't know who he is. <laughs> uh, now, 
My understanding is, and I see somebody texted in Harrison Bader's name. Are you looking at this? Yeah, I, I saw this point, you saw that about eight thousand times. Oh my god, it just keeps going. Yeah. Wow, for real. Yeah, and it's not eight thousand, but it's it's more than a hundred. Wow, what a weird thing. Okay, I don't know what that's about. Uh, but either way, that there are some people who are mad at Harrison Bader about. The hit last night. Do you, have you now seen it? Because I see the look of concern on your face. Very odd. Uh, so I, I don't know where where you are in the audience on it. I always like your feedback as we interact for our hour. But I don't view it that way. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Right. I'll tell you what irritated me more than anything is the first pitch was a strike and it was called a ball. Right. Now, I know throughout the course of that inning, people at the ballpark and they can't see it, so I'm not like chastising people at the ballpark. They're emotionally invested, just like people at home, and they want the pitches to be called strikes. And up until that pitch uh, to lead off the at-bat with Mitchell, everything that the fans were booing about being a strike wasn't a strike. Mm -hmm. That ball was a strike, and it was not even really a... You could hear the kind of surprise in Dan McLaughlin's voice when it was called a ball. And listen, this stuff happens probably, I don't know, in the 5 to 10 times a game and then if Angel Hernandez is calling it in the 30 to 40 times a game <laughs> so for it to happen it's it's common it's not a conspiracy it's just it's unfortunate that it happened at that time because it does have a domino effect on the at bat still gets to two strikes with him but to Mitchell's credit I mean that ball was ripped and if Bader were playing back against that guy who isn't exactly a force right. as far as power goes and a ball bloops in, kind of like right before Lance Berkman's hit against uh, Scott Feldman that dropped in front of Josh Hamilton in Game 6 of the 2011 World Series, and Tim McCarver says, well, I'm really surprised they're playing this defense, uh, that the fans, I think, would have been going, why in the hell was Bader so far back Right, exactly. on that? So he's up, but I get why he's up. You don't want a ball to bloop in. He's going to come charging in and possibly collide with the middle infielders if that were to happen to try to save the no-hitter. And he still nearly made what would have been a ridiculous catch. So I think if I'm to psychoanalyze the frustration of the fan, and I get it. I'm, I'm frustrated. I mean, I, there hasn't been a no-hitter at Bush Stadium since Bob Fortune 83, I believe. I, I, I'm virtually certain. Jose Jimenez hit, uh, threw one, which is super random, in 1999. Uh, but it was in Arizona, and uh, Bud Smith in 2001, and that was in San Diego. But at Bush Stadium, I'm virtually certain it was 83. Forsh, I'm doing this from memory. Maybe somebody's going to tell me that it, it happened last August. Uh, but you're emotionally involved. And so when it doesn't go your way, your team's way, it's human nature to want to express frustration. But I would, I would ask you this. Let me put it this way. If you're watching the game and it's the fifth inning and, and Michaelis is allowed six hits at this point and that ball goes over Bader's head are you going oh Bader should have had it I, I don't think that's the no. mindset I think you're just looking for something because you're fro- so frustrated especially if you're watching it with your kids I was thinking about calling my son over to say hey this is you know Historic, I just know yeah. he wouldn't have cared and it would have <laughs> distracted me and so I decided not to do it uh, that you're about to see history and then that happens at the last possible moment two outs two strikes ninth inning 
and you're watching the way he's grinding, and Dan and uh, Brad Thompson are talking about how he's on fumes, and he's on 129 pitches, and that happens, and it just sucks. And so it's human nature to want to find blame. Maybe I'm finding blame with that ball that was called a ball that was a strike, because in the whole scheme of things, did it really matter? I think that was more of an impact, though, than than Harrison Bader. I just do. I mean, listen, I know I I might be in the minority on it. I don't know what to say, but I'm just... Telling you what I really think. What do you got there? What's going on here? Uh, well, here's a nice, interesting stat. You were correct on the uh, last November. It was Forrest. Was it 83? Yeah. yeah. And then, but the Bush Stadium 3 is the oldest current ballpark to never have a no-hitter. Is that right? Yeah. That's surprising to me. Yeah. Because it's, it's not that old. Although right. I, I wonder how many ballparks have, have debuted since Bush Stadium opened. Right. So In 2006. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, but like when they watch the play back and they really analyze it, I think they're not happy with the path he took because the way when he had this glove essentially behind his head when if you ran in a different path. But that's really picking hairs for a guy who's a really good defender. And like you said, if it was 9-3 and Michaelis wasn't in the game and it was guy who goes out there closing, he closed out the earlier game. But just an example, if someone else was in there and that happens, we don't even, we're not talking about it right now because it was the end of a possible no-hitter. Um, but I think, uh, like I said, really optimistic guy over here today. Just seeing how well Michaelis has pitched so far this year is so encouraging when you're heading into you know, the dog days of summer to have a guy like that, and then you have Flaherty coming back to pitch today. There's some things to be very hopeful about with the Cardinals, especially in the pitching staff where if you had asked us, you know, late April, that would have been by far the biggest concern. So you are now bullish on the pitching staff? More bullish than I would have been. Something that was very concerning earlier in the season is now leveled down to an extent. They're still doing a lot of bullpen starts. and But with Flaherty coming back, if he's right, could be. It's a big be. if, though. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's that's a, a huge big if. And I'm, not, I'm not disregarding the statement. It's just we haven't seen it yet. I think you sure. would have more reason, even though it was you know, the Pirates, uh, to be bullish on Michaelis mm-hmm. than Flaherty, even though Flaherty's ceiling, as we saw in the second half of 2019, is, you know, better than anybody's on the rotation. And hell, I I hadn't seen, that was Jake Arrieta in 2015, what uh, Flaherty did in 2019 in the second half. That was, that was just absurd. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we will see that again in his career. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm an- certainly anxious to see it. This is a great thing, and it's a, it's a great team to, to do it against because you're doing against this, and the team's already won the first three of a five-game series. So they're in a nice position on that. Um, but, so where are you on the, on the remainder of the staff? Are you feeling – I mean, Wainwright's doing Wainwright things, right. so that's, that's what he is, and that's what he does, and God bless America. We're going to miss it when it's not around because it's just so reliable. I think if Hudson stays healthy, he's he'll be all right. I think he's kind of a wide delta on his yeah, starts. He's and Michaelis has kind of shown that a little bit too, but less so than Hudson. Hudson, I'm feeling okay about. And then you bring, I I just don't know who will be like who out of the guys who have come up. Is it Libertor? Is it? I thought the Libertor thing, and again, I I I I just have to include it because it is like if Libertor did, did that this weekend in uh-huh. Boston, right? I'd go, oh my god! Yeah, you know, I know the Red Sox started off slow, but they're now four games over five hundred in that lineup. Story started off slow; he's raking that lineup, and in that ballpark, and it's going to be hot up there. I mean, they got a whole thing going on in Boston this week with the U.S. Open and the Celtics have their game there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what a scene! 
that it's it just it just counts. You can't not talk about it. And I know for people who are really really big fans, it's not something you want to hear, but it is a real thing with how bad this division is and how bad that team is. But with that said, Libertor has the stuff to get it right after a few starts in the big leagues. It would be really unrealistic and almost maybe even fluky for a guy to come up in his first one or two major league starts and just deal. Because then you go, oh, you might have just confused him, and then they're going to get game film, and they're going to figure it out, and he's going to get eaten up. Kind of like, you know, I mean, it'd be an extreme example, but like a Bo Hart thing. Mm -hmm. Once they figured it out, and Bo Hart himself jokes about it, it, you know, the the June of 2003 that Bo Hart had, it kind of quickly came to an end. And he regressed to what his ability is. Matthew Libertor has not pitched to his ability, but at the same time, he only had a couple big league starts yesterday. And yes, it's hotter than hell, and maybe the bats are a little different than they would be on an 80-degree night as opposed to a 100-degree day. But that was more of what I think you get when you start getting more comfortable as a major league pitcher. He has the stuff to have a ridiculously high ceiling. So that part enthuses me i do have to contextualize it with the fact that it was against that team that has lost what eight or nine in a row and they're going to win like 60 games or something this year and probably 10 to 20 of them will be against the cubs and reds they'll they'll cannibalize each other and get wins kind of in a false uh representation so either way that's encouraging yeah i'm anxious i'm legitimately anxious to see what what Flaherty does yeah. because this is a big indicator of what the team will do. I was reading an article this morning. We cited it on TMA. Uh, one of Jackson's uh, classmates from Harvard, Bradford Doolittle, is yep. the columnist. I'm not making that up. On the front of ESPN.com, and he was talking about the Cardinals' needs, and he talked about, and I liked this because I thought it was a perfect way to describe it. Their traditional trade deadline passivity. Yeah, that's a that's a. Perfect way of putting it. And thank you. Like, it's not just us in St. Louis observing that this is a traditional trade deadline passive organization. Mm -hmm. We talk about comparing and contrasting the Blues. Absolute opposite when it comes to And he also observed Wainwright, Pools, Molina, at the very least the final time they're playing together, whether it's Wainwright's last year or not, TBD. I think Molina and Pools, it is most likely done. Uh, that they wouldn't give a run and 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 try to solidify the bullpen is what he was talking about. Right. He says the bullpen's top-heavy, and that's where the Cardinals are exposed. So you don't know where it'll be because it's 45 days out, but if you do have three of these guys firing all cylinders, that's, you know, that's huge, and that can be all you need in a postseason series these days. It's a different deal than it was just a decade ago. I really feel like it actually changed with the Cardinals in 2011, I think that's where you saw managers start changing it because the Cardinals' rotation was so weak minus Carpenter that Tony LaRusso was just forced to essentially have guys start and pitch a couple innings until they got into trouble. And then Kyle Loesch, Jaime Garcia, and no. uh, God, who was the fourth guy that would start game? Edwin Jackson? I don't know. I mean, it just was it was Carpenter, and it was uh, that, that was it. No. So anyway, the other thing that needs to be discussed outside of what was what is the lead, which is Miles Michaelis, is what Paul Goldschmidt is doing. Oh. Man, oh man. Uh, right now, we were talking about it on, on TMA, Mookie Betts is the favorite to win the National League MVP, but Goldschmidt is right there. Mm-hmm. And the numbers he is putting up, is just absolutely incredible. And yeah. he's just hitting the ball so damn hard. And keep in mind, these numbers are where they are, and he had a terrible first three weeks right, of the season. Which is crazy, yeah. So just to uh, to give the, the numbers for the moment, he's at 16 home runs uh, and 56 RBIs. Already, yeah, it's insane. With a one point oh seven three OPS, 
And uh, it's just, I mean, he's just hammering the baseball. Right. It's something else. And it's so crazy when you look at him swing because it's like he, he, he doesn't look like he's going to swing and he kind of just, you know, his follow through is kind of shorter and he just whacks at it. And you're just like, man, he sees it so well. Similar to what I said about Arenado earlier in the season, where every time you, you when he swung, you thought he was going to hammer it. Mm-hmm. That's what Goldschmidt's been doing now for weeks, and it's awesome to watch. And it's got to be so just frustrating for pitchers because yeah, they, they're not even throwing necessarily, you know, mistakes. He's hammering everything, yeah. everything. He is crushing baseballs too. I mean, these are hard hit balls. Uh, so Paul Goldschmidt on an absolute heater. Miles Michaelis one strike away. That was heartbreaking. Seriously, you know, yeah. it, it, for for me to be emotionally upset about a game against the Pirates in June uh, that the Cardinals won is uh, is saying something. And it, I really thought he was going to get it, and I was so happy for him. I thought Dan and uh, Brad Thompson were doing a hell of a job on the call. It was all set up, and I really didn't expect that. I didn't expect it. I did not expect the. Uh, I did not expect that to go down that way. I was like, in part because. You know, it's not like you're going, oh, crap, here comes, you know, Mookie Betts and take your pick of whatever other star. It's just like, oh, here's some randoms and, you know, uh, a guy hammered the ball. It sucks. So bad beat, but incredible outing and super encouraging what the Cardinals got from their starters yesterday. And, of course, what they also got from Paul Goldschmidt. And, by the way, another little fun fact, brief aside. Uh, I love watching Brendan Donovan play. Yeah, he's... he's I really do. Yeah, you're absolutely right on I that. love watching him play, yeah. and uh, it's he's becoming somebody I just like to watch play, even if the Cardinals aren't in the game or if the game isn't any good. If, yeah. like, last night's if the game's no good, oh, there's except there's a no-hitter going on, so I'm right. watching. I would watch that guy play. Of all the young guys who've come up, he's certainly been, like, the one you were most surprised by because you probably didn't know much about him. He had a up. good spring. Uh-huh. You know, he did have a good spring. We were talking about it in uh, March. I recall talking about that with Dan. And uh, then he got his chance, and he capitalized on it. So major tip of the cap. All right, uh, a bunch of stuff coming up here. I've already gone too long, I can tell. It's already <laughs> 1020. God bless America. I just can't. I don't know what the hell I got to do. Like, you just need to cut. Like, I joked about this when we started the show. I said, just cut my mic. Seriously, just cut my mic. That would be funny. <laughs> For real. People would like it. Yeah. Uh, all right. It's Balloon Party. One of these We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you here for an hour. And then BK and Ferrario will take over. Action Jackson on the ones and twos. You're welcome to participate in the discussion by texting in 65780, as many people have chosen to do. Uh, we'll play this uh, Rick Carpenter sound here. Uh, he was with Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman earlier today. And they have had Brian O'Reilly, Ryan's father, on Monday. Uh, Max Scherzer's father yesterday. I believe they're having Walter on today to talk about Matthew and Brady. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mark McGuire? Yeah. Wow. I don't know, man. <laughs> I got to be honest. Somebody doing a show at the same time, albeit on a much bigger platform of HD2. Thank you. Yeah, I, I hope that doesn't come off like, yeah, I have a place yeah. in Huntley. Honesty but, uh, you know, Vacation in, in Palm Springs. Uh, but, yeah, it's honesty and media. But I go, oh, that's a really good guest list. <laughs> Who do we have on today? Oh, my buddy who's caddying at the U.S. Open. Yeah, which is our guest of the month. <laughs> <laughs> it is our one guest of the month, uh, Michael Wellington. By the way, just in case, for real, and I'm saying this in a, a point of sincerity, Chris Nagel from St. Louis, who is a legitimate player. Like, there are yeah. some guys who qualify, and obviously you got to be good to qualify. But Nagel made the cut, and he was on the leaderboard on day one at Shinnecock. Uh-huh. And I think he finished 40th or yeah. 50th or something like that at Shinnecock in 2018. 
He's plus 100,000 to win, and he's like plus 2,500 to finish top 40. Yeah. If you just want to sprinkle a small taste, it's a. Oh, it's. I mean, I put, I'll be honest with you, I put 50 bucks on it. And I'm like, so if Chris Nagel wins, there'll be a different, it'll be BK and Ferrario at 10 o'clock on Monday. <laughs> I can tell right. you that. It'll right. uh, be on a cruise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he'll be at $50,000. I mean, you know, I mean, do I expect it? No. Does Nagel expect it? Probably not, but he's got that kind of game. Uh, Jackson's uh, questions here. Uh, what, what was this? What was this titled? Uh, oh, it's not, you didn't give yourself a nickname today. It's just fun with arbitrary percentages. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fun with arbitrary percentages. Uh, you go first, and I'll go. The Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup. Go. 40%. I think that's the right answer. Yeah. yeah the Avalanche are really good. And they've had a week off now. I, I would go higher than 40%, but I wouldn't go higher than 50%. I'd probably go in like the 47% range. Phil Mickelson makes the cut at the U.S. Open. Makes the cut. We're not talking about winning. We're talking yeah, about making the, the cut. cut. Wellington said this morning, and he's been out there walking the course with Nagel, that he thinks the cut will be in the plus six, plus seven range. I'll say 55%. What? Yeah. Well, if, you want to, if you want to go heads up. We can go heads up on that all day long. You You're out of your mind. Less. You're out of your mind on that number. You're out of your mind. Now he's going to make the cut, and the listeners will love it and haze my balls off on Monday. <laughs> but I, think, I, don't know if he, I don't know how many cuts he's made in the last decade at the U.S. Open. Right, but going into the PGA Championship, and I get it, that's an outlier. When he won at Kiowa, it was the same. It was a course that didn't play to him, and he's aged a good amount. You know, and he's turning 53 tomorrow. That was 52. Is 53? No, he's turning 52 tomorrow. Which is a part of the reason I think he's going to make the cut, and uh, and he won the. Hold thing, on a so. second, because it's his birthday. Yeah. Oh, you are such a mark. I'm an optimist. God. Yeah, but guys like me take advantage of guys like you. Sure. <laughs> uh, so you got it at 55 percent that Phil yeah. Mickelson makes the cut. Yeah, confident in it too. I will give it 20 percent, and I feel like that's generous. All right. All right. Yeah, I know. You're very confident. Well, you, you beat my fantasy team and <laughs> stunned me. So you, yeah, you, you right have shipped me before. I know. That was like for real. I, you have no idea how much that bothered me. Uh, Jack Flaherty pitches more than five innings tonight. Ah, this one I've gone back and forth on. Because yeah, there, there's, there's, there's a little bit of science and managerial element to this. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's not just about him. It's right. how much are they going to give him. Right. I'll say 35. 30 to 35%. I'm going to throw 25% on yeah, fun with arbitrary okay. percentages on this. And I think it's just, I think it's, I think it might already be determined right now That's that what I'm he's saying. not. That's what I'm saying. And in part, because even though they had a double header yesterday, they didn't have to tap into the bullpen right. yeah. all that much, relatively right. speaking. And I'd like to think the Cardinals will have, a, you know, a comfortable situation tonight. Yeah. It's just, you know, like I said, it's Abilene Christian time on the schedule. And, you know, capitalize on it because, you know, the other side of it is you do have to go to Boston, and that's going to be a most likely a stressful weekend for the bullpen. Mm-hmm. How about the scene in Boston this week? I'm telling you, it's the, the Boston because I was thinking about it from like a sports radio perspective, and like you know we, you know, when the Blues are in the playoffs, it's so crazy and fun around here one on one because we carry the Blues, and it's just a lot of fun to talk Blues and all that. But think about it, in Boston, you got. Your team in a must-win game six tomorrow night. You got the U.S. Open. And it's and, not that far from downtown. Right. It's super close. Yeah. And then you got a Red Sox series with their 2013 and 2004 World Series foes. I mean, it's yeah. it's a it's a really good weekend to be in Boston. 
Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think uh, Wellington was going to try to get to one of those uh, Cardinals-Red Sox games. I For saw a sure. bunch of guys. Yeah. Justin Thomas was was there last night. Keegan Bradley threw out the first pitch. Uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, with Flaherty tonight... It's an important start, not necessarily because the Cardinals need to win the game. That's not, but but like what you see from him, how he feels mm-hmm. coming off of it. Now, maybe yeah. even this time tomorrow is almost more important than what takes place tonight, yeah, just to see how point. he bounces back from it. But uh, this is a significant moment in the season, as significant as a moment can be when you're playing a team that isn't really competitive, and the Cardinals are, uh, you know, most likely going to win the game uh so with with all of that said your thoughts are welcome on fun with arbitrary percentages from action jackson six five seven eight zero air comfort service text line uh jackson they said last night flaherty is going to go about 60 pitches it's from the 815 who said who said that uh well <laughs> the, eight, the 815 says they uh, yes. i don't know if that was the cardinals i don't know if it was uh dan mclaughlin brad thompson i mean that I would know. make sense i think 60 pitches would make sense but you know we'll see when he gets out there maybe he gets through more than five <laughs> innings in 60 he's never playing the pirates the 573 oh. today on the sharp and the whittle optimist yeah you know what some people you want to be called the whittle optimist sometimes this text line could use a little optimism i'll go with the text line i'm just telling you this is this is like your older brother. I could be your father, I think, mathematically. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, don't look at the text line. Don't I, let them get to you. I got my back to it right now. I know. I've noticed that. But I know, then I watch your eyes turn, and yeah. then you go into a dark place. So do you like being known as the Whittle Optimist? Yeah. Yeah, I do, actually. Optimism is it's more fun to be optimistic. And sometimes, you know, sports can make you really pessimistic. Especially being a St. Louis and Mizzou sports fan can make you really pissed. What is there to be mad about as a St. Louis sports fan? The Rams. Okay, leaving. the Rams. I get. I didn't know if you're talking about like. No, 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 no. Obviously the I Cardinals. Mean, my God, and, and, Stanley Cup and going yeah. to the playoffs. You know, most of the years and yeah. since 2000, yeah. two World Championships. More specifically, Rams fan and sure. Missouri well, Tigers fan. But that's just a businessman just being a yeah. you know, no, I corporate gangster, too. right? Uh, let's see what we've got here. Lisa. Lisa's a loyal listener of the yeah, party. Yeah, really like Lisa. Lisa's, Lisa's, I'll filter your computer over there just so you see Lisa's text. Because they're be always engaging and kind. I'd walk around with the biggest smile. Uh, Tim, we got Walker in 04 and Cesar Cedeno in 85. What do you want? LOL, that's from the 618. In 2000, she's right, and I was a big Cesar Cedeno fan, by mm-hmm. the way. The Cardinals, when they would make these runs back in the 80s, would get these guys at the deadline who, you know, for me, now granted I was like eight years old, but you're like, who are these guys? To me, they seem like they're ancient. They were probably like 34, mm-hmm. but, you know, nine years old. That's how you look at it. And Cesar Cedeno would just rake. And you know the guy in 1987? How many of you listening know where I'm going with this one? Dan Driesen. Now, I know you're not. I, I, this is essentially me looking at you knowing that you have zero interest in what I'm talking about. Well, just, I don't this know is like going is. back to my singles days in Clayton. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, Dan Driesen, Hilton Head Island, South Carolina native, uh-huh. and he did some raking too. Mm. And the Cardinals would get these guys in 1989. They were in the mix with the Cubs, and in the division, Tom Brunanski. Tom Brunanski, who had beaten him in the World Series in 1987. So they would get these guys at the trade deadline, in 2000, Will Clark, these older guys, right. I guess now that I'm thinking about it, met more often than not, first base, and uh, and they would just come alive and catch a career resurgence and lead the Cardinals into the postseason. It's a, it's a weird deal. 
this year, I would like to see the Cardinals be more aggressive. I think it would help bridge the gap of distrust that exists for a portion of the fan base between the Cardinals and themselves. I agree. So, you know, and then as the ESPN article from Jackson's classmate, Bradford Doolittle, writes, if you're not going to be making a move at this time, yeah, in the I final know. year for these guys with your team in first place or at worst second place, you're never going to do it. Yeah. Uh, six five seven eight zero six five seven eight zero. Uh, that is how you can get involved in the show. On the other side of the break, you'll hear this uh, soundbite uh, as uh, Matt Carpenter's father, emotional, talking it over with Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman this morning on Carricker and Smallman, and Action Jackson with his uh, essentially another if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, doesn't make a sound. Question: We have that coming up for you next. This is Balloon Party on one hundred and one ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Drama. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. It's balloon party. 20 minutes. And then uh, coming up at 11.15 on BK and Ferrario, Dan McLaughlin. I'm looking forward to listening to that. Absolutely. Man, he was all fired up. He was ready to have a call, but no hitter. I guess he was probably he was on the call for Bud Smith. Uh, but to have one at Bush Stadium. Ah! Man, I'm tilting on it. I really am tilting on it. Are you tilting, bro? Yeah, less so. I don't know. I feel like, and it's not to take anything away from anyone who's ever done a no-hitter, but the no-hitters have just been so, this past couple of years, there have been so many of them. I agree. I well, like it's more than the past couple of years. I agree with you on that. Right, like, the perfect game is incredibly rare, the right. no-hitter much more common it feels like to me than growing up yeah oh yeah the the difference is you haven't had one at bush stadium since 83 and so that is why you know there's an and then for it to happen that way like if it's going to go down then go down in the seventh inning two yeah. strikes two outs yeah God, that just, sucks that's a, a good point kick in the gut yeah uh hey i talked about this and i just really want to hear it honestly uh, i'm sure some of you were uh, already listening to randy Carricker and michelle smallman and the father's day series they're uh, having in just really uh perfect timing with what matt carpenter has been doing with the new york yankees to have his father on for this week of father's day interviews uh here is matt carpenter's father from this morning on character and smallman it's it's been indescribable. I'm gonna leave it at indescribable because if I really started explaining it, we we'd be 30 minutes into the show. But uh, I'll tell you, it, it's when uh, I mean he worked like crazy to get his swing back. <laughs> I was I've been so proud of him for the your effort he's put in, and 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 what impressed me the most probably out of all this is you know he's got a ton of pride. There's no doubt about that, but he doesn't have so much pride that he didn't turn his nose up at a minor league deal. He went to the minor league, and what made me even more proud of him is he went there and became a mentor. Not only was he working on getting his game back, he's helping people there. Two years ago, I'm at Cincinnati, but I'm up around the concourse, and and a gentleman steps in front of me, and he goes, aren't you Matt Carpenter's dad? And I go, yes, sir, I am. And he goes, well, I'm Harrison Bader's dad. Oh, and wow. so I, 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 yeah, I shake his hand, and he, and Harrison Bader's dad starts, <laughs> this is going to make me tear up, because Harrison Bader's dad starts tearing up, and he says, I just want you to know that the reason that my son right now is on this tear, I mean, Harrison was really hot at this particular time, he said, it's because of your son encouraging him 
and working with him and being a mentor. So, wow, that's, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of that for you know numbers he's put up, but even more proud for the person he is. Yeah, that's great, man. That's, that's so great. good. Yeah. And I, you know, what he talked about there with you know he's, he's Matt Carpenter will be 37 years old here in no four or five months, and you know, has made, I think we went back and looked at it on Baseball Reference, somewhere along the lines of between 80 and $89 million, mm-hmm. if, if my memory serves, looking at this, because we were talking about a couple of days ago after all of the home runs and the success he had on Sunday afternoon in the Bronx. And for many people, I mean, for easily, and it's, it's fine. And by the way, it doesn't make anybody superior or inferior. But once you've done that, and then on top of it, you've gone through what you've gone through the last couple of years and you have a young family, you just go, okay, I don't want to go through it again. Oh, then you, and you shut it down and everybody be like, yeah, God bless America. Yeah. Totally get it. So, but then instead of that, he grinds and grinds and grinds during the off season, trying to find the answer because he really believes he still has it. And this is something that I think people can relate to, not at the major league baseball level, but in your careers and relationships, like you are convinced that you can do it. It doesn't have to be recapturing Major League Baseball glory. And a lot of people are telling you you can't. And he did it. And he didn't really need to at mm-hmm. all. Right. But then as his father just said in that interview on Carriker and Smallman, he took a minor league assignment and wasn't going from the selfish route like, okay, I've made $80 million. You guys you know, can't even afford to go to dinner with me. Mm-hmm. He becomes a mentor. Right. And then he's doing it with the Rangers. So the Rangers are not going anywhere this year. They're one of the Abilene Christian, Louisiana Tech, New Mexico State operations. So he's in that organization. And then they part ways. And my guess is that was not like a, Matt, you're not cutting it thing. It was, you know, hey, you know, maybe you can get on with somebody. where We're not going to play at the major league level because we're not going anywhere. So, And then he gets the call at the Yankees. And then this is it. Now this is it. This is it. This is the final curtain if it doesn't go down. And he capitalizes on it. It's a hell of a story. Absolutely. It's a hell of a story. And again, as I said, when we talked about this at length on uh, Monday, in uh, Jackson, I don't think people's distaste for as much as Matt Carpenter's name was mentioned last year was directed at Matt Carpenter so much it was directed at the extension from a few years ago or how much playing time he was getting. I don't yeah. think people disliked him or the right. way he went about it. And so to hear his father go into detail on that, just the utmost respect, and it makes the the story all the more significant. Absolutely. And assuming he is still on the Yankees, they come to St. Louis in August, and that will be a well-deserved ovation. Absolutely. And, and in, in part, certainly, I always will think about that at bat against Clayton Kershaw in Game 6 of the 2013 NLCS. It's one of my favorite baseball moments, which might sound insane, but it really, truly won a pennant for the Cardinals. That at bat won a pennant. And it was just a grind. If you are a baseball nerd, you loved that. And then it ends with a double against a really good Dodgers team and a Hall of Fame pitcher. Um, but I re- just what what he's done here over the last eight months, even if it didn't work out, and I didn't expect it to work out, I admired it. I remember I think it was Ken Rosenthal wrote a story in detail on what Carpenter was doing in the off season and what he's trying to do, and I'm just like, man, good for this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, as as a golf nerd. One of the things I appreciate are the guys who just are so convinced they can do it, and they just keep grinding, even though people are looking at him like, look at this guy. He's got no chance. Right. I mean, what is he doing? Right. 
you know, I'm sure there were people here saying it about Nagel. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, Chris, you know, I mean, you're approaching 40, you have three kids, you might want to shut it down. Well, this week he's teeing it off at the U.S. Open. Yeah. So I respect when people are so confident and have such a belief and such a passion that they overcome the odds and do what Matt Carpenter is doing. It is a hell of a story. Uh, all right, final segment coming up next, Patty Maroon, legend. That was already established. Legend status grew yesterday in an interview. We'll have that clip for you coming up next. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Final segment, Balloon Party, uh, became Ferrario. Dan McLaughlin coming up in like 20 minutes, so stick around for uh, Dan talking it over about the festivities yesterday at Bush Stadium, not just Miles Michaelis, and being on the call of an ear-no-hitter, but also Paul Goldschmidt and the Rake Festival, and also that Brendan Donovan just all over the place. Love watching him play. Makes me think of, take your pick of whatever hashtag scrappy Cardinals over the last uh, 30 years that I've grown up watching. He is in that category, but he's a ball player, man. He's not just like a fan favorite because he gets dirty he's a ball player uh so patty maroon not talking about fan favorite legend and uh he's in position here to make history yep he is four wins away <laughs> but we got to get like guys who've played with him on like i was lucky enough to to play golf with a couple of uh, blues players last year um and it's not because they knew me. They had no idea who I was. Not that that's surprising to anybody. Uh, and I didn't start talking about hockey. We were just BSing after the round. So Riley and Thomas. Uh-huh. And, uh, and and it was right during the Stanley Cup final. And, and I don't know, one, of the, one of the guys I was playing with goes, how about Maroon? He could have three straight. And they just, you know, O'Reilly, he's like, he's making history. <laughs> you know, it's Maroon and he's making history. And I know O'Reilly and Maroon were super close. There's that famous picture of them on the right. flight back with yeah, the, yeah. With the, the, the uh, chalice and the con Smythe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, just, you know, those guys absolutely enjoy themselves. Yeah. And here he is, four wins away from four straight years. And then with two different teams. I mean, that's the thing. You've right. seen guys win it with one team. Got those Islanders teams in the early 80s. Not Oilers. Four straight. The Oilers, of course. Uh, it wasn't back-to-back, -back, but you saw the Kings getting it done. You saw the Blackhawks. You've seen the Penguins. You've seen the Wings. But here now, four straight years. And I would imagine most people in St. Louis were pulling for the Lightning in general because we saw the Avalanche, the song and dance, and the moralizing on the mm -hmm. cadre thing. And that just, God, I almost dropped an S-bomb. <laughs> uh, but uh, that... The horse crap that was going on with that whole thing um, and how it was dismissed. Well, you know, it's a hockey play, of course, but Craig B. Ruby's talking about his reputation. Well, yes, it is his reputation. He wrote about his reputation on the Players' Tribune, and now he's trying to change it. Uh, so I was already anti-Avalanche, whether it was the Rangers or the Lightning. No. It didn't matter. I don't, I don't care. Now Pat Maroon goes on Pat McAfee's show yesterday, and they start talking about Crocky, owner of the Avalanche, and uh, here's Patty Maroon just bringing the A-game legend status heat. Hey, you know that guy that owns that team has a helipad above the arena and then his own condo up there, and then he walks down to the arena. Is Cronky going to fly in there and kind of <laughs> f*** you guys up when he shows up on his helipad in his helicopter walking into his building? I hate Stan Kroenke. I'm just <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't stand that guy. Honestly, he took... I'll, honestly, you guys played at the Dome. The Dome's a... a sh sh <laughs> it's a bad... It was a bad... Bad arena. I'm sure it was terrible for you guys to go in there and play, but... 
the greatest game on turf with Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk. I mean, Orlando Pace. I mean, you can go down. I mean, just to watch that. I think Mike Jones made that huge tackle against Tennessee. Um, mm -hmm. But, like, to have that taken away from us, it just sucks. I know we had terrible years. Chris Long would always tell me, like, this. I mean, our teams are terrible. But, <laughs> <clears throat> but like, you know, then he go, he goes away and he goes wins back-to-back -back Super Bowl. So it's just like you go from that environment to that and you wonder why. But the fans are true passion in St. Louis. And I just can't stand that guy for taking him out of there. Hey, dude, for the a, St. Louis needs a football team. I don't know how you guys feel about the that. The Battlehawks, dude. They're Battlehawks of the XFL <laughs> sold out the entire bottom bowl yeah, of that Yes, though. I mean, that was the worst. I played in there the last year before the Rams left. Oh, my God. That thing was, I think it was maybe made in 1960. Zero updates. The turf was actually pooling up in the corners as you're going in. It's like, this is the highest level. That's what, yeah. this is the highest level was happening. But Crumpy. You can't be telling me that. It's that bad then, eh? Oh, it was <laughs> terrible. I mean, it was very, very, very bad. Go and beat Cronky for the yeah, St. Louis fans. There you go. Patty Outstanding. Maroon. So good. I love Pat Maroon. God, it's going to be good entertainment. I can't wait. And they're so hypersensitive in Denver anyway, and he doesn't give a damn. He yeah. will be stirring the pot. I can't wait. I'm going to be emotionally involved in this series in a major way. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I've really been that emotionally involved in a series that didn't involve the Blues, like, right. ever. Like, it's... where it will bother me if the Lightning don't win. I love that. I love when you just get attached to a team or a player and you start watching the games and then you become, like, you're a fan yeah. of that team. Yeah, I can't, I mean, I can't, I like watching it anyway, but I'm not emotionally involved. Yes. Yeah, when you're looking at it, not from, like, an analytical perspective, but from pure emotion. That makes sports and so much more best. fun. And it, may, it puts him in, you know, it's... It, it's it's one thing like if, like for example if the if the Avalanche go on a heater and even if they do to win four straight would be ridiculous, but like McKinnon I mean he's a guy and he's yeah. an incredible player and we saw his speed it was oh, on display yeah. there at the end of Game Five but you know he's not he's not have this personality of Maroon and the fact that it's Maroon for guys in the game makes it all the more right right you know just right. like. God, of all the guys, it's Maroon, the guy who just kind of stirs the pot, doesn't care, takes his shirt off, is wearing a scarf, clearly enjoying libations, and he's the guy who's going to make history. Not Gretzky, not Crosby, it's going to be Pat Maroon. It just makes it all the better. It makes yeah. me love the game in the Stanley Cup playoffs all the more. And, of course, him saying, I hate Stan, Stan Kroenke <laughs> in an interview like that. Yeah, the perfect. Dome took some shrapnel to Jackson's dismay. Jackson believes it's the Yankee Stadium of football. It's a misunderstood. That's <laughs> yeah, just a misunderstood building. Uh, all right, time for us to shut it down. BK and Ferrari of Dan McLaughlin coming up at the top of their show. It starts here in a few minutes. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.